My wife, Sarah, and I have a long-standing disagreement about how warm our home should be. I contend that a man shouldn't have to wear an overcoat in his own house just to ward off frostbite. Sari, by contrast, feels that fresh air is essential, and she would far rather endure a little cool air than perish from asphyxiation. Like many long-married couples, we no longer openly debate the issue. Rather, we each wage a private campaign in our hot and cold war. All winter long, when she's not looking, I crank up the heat. After I've left the room, she throws open the windows. On average, the temperature is about right, However, the heating bill is another matter. The US economic temperature in 2019, as in our house, ended up about right, although only because the excessive fiscal heat of late-cycle tax cuts was counteracted by the cooling winds of trade uncertainty. This, combined with a somewhat gratuitous dose of monetary easing, contributed to spectacular gains in equity markets around the world, and particularly in the United States. Entering 2020, this pattern of moderate economic growth and low interest rates seems set to continue, and could continue to support equity markets. However, partly because of government policies, the economy faces longer-term challenges related to weak demographics, rising government debt, increasing inequality, and the risk of asset bubbles. After a spectacular decade for financial market gains, investors need to consider these risks as they position themselves for 2020 and the decade ahead. Data due out this week should shine a light on both current progress and future challenges. On Monday, the government will release its advance report on inventories and international trade for November. Inventory growth in November may have been a little softer than in October, and on the trade side, we expect a sizable bounce back in imports as temporary factors related to the GM strike and tariffs fade. These numbers will help fine-tune analysts' forecasts of fourth-quarter GDP growth, which currently appears to be tracking a 2-2.5% pace. On Tuesday, the conference board will release consumer confidence numbers for December. These should show very positive attitudes, mirroring the trend in the University of Michigan survey. Friday's report on light vehicle sales should also point to a generally healthy fourth quarter for consumer spending. However, purchasing manager indices from both the United States and around the world should show continued broad weakness in global manufacturing. For the US, these data should still generally support the idea of a not-too-hot, not-too-cold economy entering 2020. Consumer spending still looks well-supported, and even as the impact of tax cuts continues to fade, global manufacturing should see some bounce back, reflecting in in part a clearer path on Brexit and a phase one deal between the United States and China. However, other numbers due out this week will highlight some longer-term concerns. First, as the government closes its books on calendar 2019, the federal debt will exceed $17.1 trillion, up more than $1 trillion over the past year. The tax sector 2017, while boosting economic growth in 2018 and early 2019, has further worsened the US fiscal situation. As one measure of this, the average American now owes more money indirectly, by virtue of being a US taxpayer, than they do directly in the form of mortgage loans, student loans, auto loans and credit cards, and all other personal loans. While the federal debt is unlikely to precipitate a fiscal crisis in the short run, over time, this debt will have to be serviced and likely at higher interest rates than prevail today. As this this happens, government spending will have to be restrained and taxes will have to be raised, limiting future gains in living standards. Second, data are also due out on Monday, which should highlight some stark demographic challenges. Specifically, the Census Bureau is likely to report that the number of babies born fell again in the year that ended on June 30th, 2019, to a fresh 30-year low of under 3.8 million. While this trend likely reflects a complicated combination of economic and social forces, it's clearly dampening demand for both housing and basic consumer goods. 
In addition, census will likely report a decline in net migration to its lowest level in at least six years, reflecting tougher government policies in both legal and illegal immigration. These trends, combined with a steady increase in deaths in an aging population, could limit U.S. population growth to a century low of less than 0.6%, with a far smaller increase in the working age population. Starting from a position of full employment, these weak demographics are likely to drag in economic growth in 2020 and beyond. Finally, it needs to be recognized that this economy has been much more successful in growing wealth than income. Over the course of the year that ends on Tuesday, we estimate that nominal GDP will have grown by $845 billion, or 4%. However, we also estimate that the net worth of all American households will have risen by $10.4 trillion, or 9.8%, over the same 12 months. This is merely a continuation of a trend that has persisted for many years. Over the last decade, while nominal GDP has grown by 49%, household net worth has advanced by 86%. This is important for two reasons. First, while the income distribution in the United States is dramatically uneven, the wealth distribution is even more so. According to the 2016 Survey of Consumer Finances, while the top 10% of households received roughly 50% of pre-tax income in the US, they owned over 77% of the wealth. Since both income and wealth can be used to buy goods and services, the broad rally in financial assets has, in a broad sense, worsened inequality. This could eventually lead to a sharp political swing to the left, leading to much higher taxation on wealth and those who own it. A second and related point is that most financial assets can be thought of as essentially coupons, entitling the owner, at the time of his or her choosing, to consume some of the share of goods and services produced by the economy. From the 1950s to the 1980s, the total assets of the US economy amounted to roughly four times GDP, but they now amount to almost seven times. If those who own this wealth try to cash in their coupons, or if some future government decides to redistribute that wealth to those who will, there will not be enough goods and services to meet demand, leading to rising consumer prices, falling asset prices, or both. I suppose Sari and I are a little complacent in our approach to our house's temperature. An old heating system and an unpredictable New England winter suggest that we should exercise more caution. In a similar way, while investors have every reason to toast the end of a very good year and a very good decade, a cautious and diversified approach for 2020 makes sense, particularly given the longer-term challenges in the investment environment. Well, that's it for this week and this year. I'd like to wish you all a very happy and peaceful new year. Please tune in again next week, and if you have any questions in the meantime, please reach out to your J.P. Morgan representative. This content has been produced for information purposes only, and as such, the views contained herein are not to be taken as advice or recommendation to buy or sell any investment or interest thereto. Reliance upon information in this material is at the sole discretion of the recipient. The material was prepared without regard to specific objectives, financial situation, or needs of any particular receiver. Any research in this asset has been obtained and may have been acted upon by J.P. Morgan Asset Management for its own purpose. The results of such research are being made available as additional information and do not necessarily reflect the views of J.P. Morgan Asset Management. Any forecasts, figures, opinions, statements of financial market trends, or investment techniques and strategies expressed are those of J.P. Morgan Asset Management, unless otherwise stated, as of the date of production. They are considered to be reliable at that time, but no warranty as to the accuracy and reliability or completeness in respect of any error or omission is accepted. They may be subject to change without reference or notification to you.
J.P. Morgan Asset Management is the brand for the asset management business of J.P. Morgan Chase & Company and its affiliates worldwide. J.P. Morgan Distribution Services Incorporated. Copyright 2018. J.P. Morgan Chase & Company.